Welcome to the How to Code Well podcast, a show all about web development and programming. My name is Peter Fisher. I am a freelance web and mobile applications developer. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Manning Publications. If you use the discount code YTFisher at checkout, you'll get 40% off my Docker in Motion course. It is five and a half hours long and it teaches the fundamentals of Docker. Go to howtocowell.net forward slash Docker in Motion to get my course or other video courses and books from Manning Publications. Link in the description below. Hello coders, today's topic is all about side projects and web development. I have the pleasure of being joined by Jessica Smith, who is also one of my old colleagues. Hi Jess, how's it going? Have you had a good week? Hi, yeah, I've had a really good week. Um, It's just after the bank holiday weekend in the UK. So um, I've had a nice relaxing weekend and a nice quiet Tuesday back at work. So that was good. Awesome. Awesome. So we used to work together in uh, in Farsos, right, for for a few years. And you're still there, right? You're still working. Yeah, yeah. You escaped. I decided to stay there. Um, No, I actually really like the place. Um, Yeah. I mean, I've been there for 10 and a half years now. And yeah. I do actually really like it. Awesome. And uh, you're also the technical manager at uh, Epic LAN, right? Yeah, Epic LAN. So uh, it's my main side project. Um, It's an organization that does gaming events, LAN parties, professional services for the gaming industry in the UK. Wonderful. And yeah, that's also been my side project for about 10 and a half years. (laughs) Awesome. So before we get into the weeds of that, let's uh, let's first of all talk about your background. Uh, How did you get into coding and web development? Yeah, so first coding would have been way back writing BASIC on Commodore 64. Um, Yeah, just adding in hacks for games and that kind of thing. Um, First actual programming and web development would be when I was around 13, 14. Mm. Um, I was helping out some people on IRC with their news system on their website. This was back in sort of 1999, um, sort of PHP-free kind of thing. And they said, can you help me with this? And I was like, well, I've done some scripting. I might. (laughs) be able to give it a try and that was my first use of php and it kind of grew from there wonderful um yeah and it just grew and then i did more as spare time thing and then eventually um yeah broke into industry and started doing this professionally how if if i may let me pick that apart how did you get into the industry i mean how what was the what was the jump off but that you thought hang on a minute i can actually do this as a professional how did that happen yeah so um my first break into the industry was through um, contacts I made through the gaming events. So I was attending gaming events, I was volunteering, and I got to know some people through it. And mm-hmm. one of them was working for a startup in London, mm-hmm. and he was looking for someone who could be about 80% sysadmin, network admin, and 20% developer working on ASP.NET C Sharp. Mm. And he approached me and said, would I like to do this? And I was like, yeah, great. Um, I mean, at that time, I was looking at network admin as a job, maybe. Um, So I started doing that job. And over the next three years of working there, it slowly switched over to being about 90% development and 10% sysadmin. And we switched from ASP.NET C Sharp to Ruby on Rails. And then we took on a legacy PHP site that we were maintaining. And yeah, it was just a lucky break in. It wasn't really about development to begin with. And it just grew that way. And it yeah. So it was like an organic transition from yeah. being network into into development. That's really yeah. that's super interesting because you you've come from a gaming background. So one would um, naively assume that you would go into game development. Yeah, um, I was never really good at game development. Um, I mean, I've done some minor game development as a hobby. Mm. Um, decided to try and learn um, C plus plus. So 
my first attempt was a platform game, which right. worked. But yeah, it's never really been something I've been good at because game development involves quite a lot of design work. If you look at any of the indie games out there, they're all very talented people when it comes to design and graphics. And mm. I'm not a designy graphical person. I can't do that to save my life. Right. Yeah. So writing code, um, web development is much more my thing. And that's what I ended up doing. I guess, yeah, I guess it's like the aesthetics of the game sell the game, right? So if the aesthetics are really bad, it doesn't matter how well the game has been developed. Yeah. Mm. If you want a game that's just square blocks, I can probably do it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, if you want something that looks beautiful and good and will be successful yeah. or has a decent art style, then I'm definitely not the person. So game development never appealed in that way. Fair play, fair play. Um, okay, so was the uh, was the, your education of coding, did that come through any kind of college or university or was it purely self-taught? It was almost entirely self-taught. So I did go to university to study computer science, but mm -hmm. I dropped out after about six months because I just felt that the degree wasn't going to be useful for going into industry. So I dropped out and got a job in industry cool. and took it So it is all entirely self-taught. Wow. Um, starting out with the really terrible PHP MySQL tutorials that you mm. used to find online, <laughs> which are still there, giving people bad advice. But you start with those and then yeah. you learn and you learn how things are done correctly. Mm -hmm. And you then get it. I was lucky I got into a job with someone who was really good as a mentor. Right. And he taught me so much about development and how to go about it. And then I moved on and the job at FASO says, you know, there are some amazing people there. Mm. And I learned so much working there from the people I was working with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, um, how did that transition between your old job to FASTOS work? So it was obvious that the company, it was an internet startup. Mm. Um, it was just heading in towards the financial crisis. Um, you could tell the writing was on the wall for it. It wasn't going to be lasting much longer. So I started looking around for other opportunities for work mm -hmm. and Fastos is in my hometown I grew up in Gloucestershire um, it's where I'm from I knew them I knew them from years ago and I just thought I'll try it's a PHP developer job I've been doing some PHP for the last two years mostly Ruby on Rails mm -hmm. let's let's see if I can get the job it could be really good and mm -hmm. I applied for the job and I managed to get it um, awesome. joining a small dev team of about yeah. nine ten people at the time oh wow <laughs> yeah gosh okay yeah because i can remember when i joined it was a little bit more than that <laughs> yeah it was probably twice that size by the time you joined yeah yeah and then it was growing by quite a lot yes. um i think when i joined there was a fair amount of people joining around the same sort of month um yep. yeah gosh cool okay so it sounds like you mostly use php um is that correct yeah, so it's still PHP I mostly use. Um, Fasos has a large control panel that's mm. written in PHP, yeah. and we've got some back-end um, APIs which are written in PHP as well. Um, we've kind of gone from microservice architecture in recent years. Mm -hmm. The flexibility with that is it means you can write these small APIs in PHP. Our preference is Laravel because it's a great framework for this kind of thing. Cool. Um, and most of the Epic Land work is PHP because it's what I'm most comfortable with but right. i do use node.js python i did c sharp commercially for a year and a half i did ruby on rails for two years right so i can do that stuff if i choose but yeah php is sort of a nice comfort zone for me yeah yeah i get i get i get that i get that okay so let, let's let's transition into epic lan a little bit so so you you mentioned that it was um it, it it's for gamers right in a nutshell um and you guys put on events for 
uh, gamers to go on and 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 have LAN parties uh, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's um, essentially sort of two main sides to Epic LAN. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is how we started, and it's running LAN parties. These are traditional gaming events which have been running for over two decades now in mm-hmm. this country, LAN parties, um, where people turn up for a weekend with their computers and play games. And it's a great hobby. It's got some amazing technical challenges with building temporary computer networks and systems and things. Um, but the other side we also have is, as part of this, we started helping out at um, industry events and trade shows and expos with running stands. And then in the run up to that, starting to run online tournaments mm. and providing services, helping out with broadcasting. Mm. And a lot of that comes from the software systems we've built in the last 10 years. So we needed an event ticketing system. So I'm a developer. I wrote my own. Um, We needed a tournament system. So about eight and a half years ago, we started writing a tournament platform to use for hosting online tournaments for dozens, if not hundreds of teams. Mm. And that's been amazingly successful. And it's just a great platform to use. And then we needed something to manage game servers so that when people play their games, they've got somewhere to play. Mm-hmm. So again, wrote something like that, um, drawing on my experience at Fast Hosts on how to structure things and architect things. Um, yeah, so we've got yeah. these amazing systems that underlie everything. Wow. And it's turned it in from just building out a network to being a much more sort of systems and development challenge. And it's been great. Yeah, that sounds super busy. Like there is so many, I mean, I just, I, in my head, I'm just thinking of that sort of meme where you've got that guy running around with plates spinning, right? And you just, you're just sort of keeping them all going. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like that at times. Um, when it comes to the events themselves, we've got an amazing team that mm. keep everything going. Um, there's a technical team of around four or five people. There's a technical team lead um, underneath me who manages sort of the overall technical the events in mm. terms of the dealing with customers, making sure the network's working, that sort of right. thing. And my involvement at the events is much more supervisory and making sure that the systems and infrastructure are up and running and that the systems are all online, the code is working, sure. all the web services and things that support the event are all up and running. Excellent. That, yeah, that sounds awesome. So were you there at the very inception of EpicLand? Yes. So the history of Epicland is brilliant. The origin of it is amazing as well. Mm-hmm. So we were previously running another series of small gaming events called Central Land UK. And um, a friend of mine, John, sold that to my former employer, who obviously went under, as I've mentioned. They ran it into the ground. And we were just disillusioned with the entire thing. And we were at uh, Dreamhack Winter mm-hmm. in 2008 in Sweden, a massive 10,000 person LAN party. Um, and this was the weekend before I started at Fast Hosts. And we were just there and we just turned to ourselves and went, we really should start another event. So we registered the domain that weekend. And two weeks later, the website was up and running for user signups. Four weeks later, we were taking ticket bookings and our first event was in the March of wow. 2009. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And and then it just has evolved and evolved since then. Yeah. 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 The, the evolution has been amazing. Um We've always tried to grow the event side organically. We've never tried to kind of heavily go out and promote the events and do massive growth. Mm. Um, so it's all been very organic. Our first event we did was for 60 people, mm. and then it's sort of grown up 100 people, 120. We changed to a race course, which had more space. We went up to 200 people, 250. And then we moved to a conference center at Kettering, which was sort of 300 people. And we're now still at the conference center, but higher out almost the entire site now. <laughs> and it's a 650 person gaming event. Oh my word. Wow. Yeah. And that's just the event site. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. 
That, that's just making me feel anxious already. <laughs> yeah, it's not so bad now. The biggest challenge we used to have with events was the internet connection. Sure. So it used to be six fiber ADSL connections, basically, mm -hmm. we used for 450, 500 people. Mm -hmm. And that was just terrifying. I was stressing out. The anxiety was a big problem. I was mm -hmm. not sleeping and run up to an event. Mm -hmm. um, they've now upgraded the connection and, you know, there's almost no stress with that side now. It's so it's lots of preparation experience, but it all goes okay now. Excellent. Excellent. And is that, is that, would you say that's the biggest challenge that you face with Epic LAN is, is the network connection from a technical point of view? From a technical perspective of the events. Yeah. The yeah. biggest challenge is definitely making sure we have a suitable internet connection. It, it was our main problem for many years and right. it's something we finally got sorted about two years ago. Right. Um, and since then, things have been amazing from a technical standpoint. It's been sort of not too many things to worry about. We've been able to concentrate on other parts of the event and sort of focusing on better things technically, improving monitoring and that sort of thing. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That sounds really, really good. I mean, it sounds like it's evolved incredibly quickly. Is that one of the key motivations to keep it going? As in, you, you've the this ball is just running down this hill and you have to keep up with it? Yeah. So... Um, Particularly about five years ago, things started accelerating on the non-event side of things as well. Mm. So um, I mentioned about the events, but a huge part we do now is outside of the events. So we're generally at most industry events providing some kind of support, um, even networking, infrastructure. Mm. Um, we've got the tournament platform, which we license out and is branded for many different things. It's being used for tournaments um, all throughout school term and university terms by colleges, schools, universities. Um, and that's really accelerated in the last two years or so. Um, my business partner with Epic, John, went full time on Epic Land about a year and a half ago now. And... Yeah, he's just done amazing work on the business side of growing this yeah. and accelerating it. And it's just been absolutely crazy the last two years in particular. Wow. Okay. Th this brings me to a nice point. And that is how does one manage time between being a web developer and having this, I, I don't want to call it a side project anymore. It's a business. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The honest answer is badly. Um, <laughs> I could manage my time better, I think. Um it just takes up a lot of time and all you have to do is um, focus on the priorities. Mm. So my day job at Fastos has to take priorities because it pays the bills. It's, it's what brings in the money for me. Mm. Um, and then with Epic Plan, I then have to look at the massive backlog of work we have to do because like any development projects, we've got a massive backlog of tasks we want to do. There's loads of things we'd love to do. Yeah. And we have to honestly look at it and the priority is things that our external clients are paying us for. Mm -hmm. So they have priority. Then it's things we have to do for regulatory reasons. So GDPR last year was a massive uh, bit of work that everyone had to do, yeah. um, us included. Um, and then from there, it's stuff we have to do for operational reasons. Uh, so this month, the task is to update the email systems because we're switching transactional email provider. Mm. Um, so that's a bit of work. We need to move the template building for the emails in-house as opposed to letting the transactional provider do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then... After that, there's other work we need to do that's just ongoing things we'd like to do, nice to have. So linking people's user accounts with services like Discord or Steam. We'd okay. like to do that, and but it's a lower priority than other things. So it, prioritization is the key thing. I would imagine one gets very frustrated with the fact that, that there is that you before it was ever a business, right? Or before it was was never as 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 big as uh, as it is now, um, I would imagine you would be very frustrated with the fact that you couldn't spend 
enough time on it. I get like this with yeah. this channel, this how to code well thing, because um, I have to split my time up very carefully with clients. You know, the cl- yeah. clients are paying the bills. This, yeah. this channel isn't. <laughs> That's, yeah. That yeah. is as, as black and white as it is. Um, and, but therefore there is an enormous amount of compromise I have to put on weekends, yeah. early mornings and evenings. I'm assuming that's the same case for you. Absolutely. Um, you know, I keep timesheets as I go and I see that I'm putting in four hours, five hours every night, um, weekends, doing eight, nine hour days on weekends um, to get the work done. And mm. it is really frustrating when the current project you have to work on, for example, is implementing some web design when it's not really something you enjoy doing, but it needs doing. Yeah. I'd much rather be doing integration with Twitch or Discord or some something really cool, mm. but you can't because it's not a priority. The priority is this design that needs being done needs to be done for a paying client. Mm. So you just have to deal with it, and you just have to keep thinking that's a priority. This is the deadline; it has to be done, and you just have to accept it. Yeah. On the flip side, though, you do get to review the things that you need to do on your side project in, w- with a little bit more of an obje- objective sort of light. It, you, there's a lot of, th- like you said, there's a lot of things that you would like to do, but it's not necessarily the things that you should be doing right now. So stuff that yeah. you might want to be doing later on. I've got a whole notebook full of stuff that I could be doing. Yeah. I'm the same. <laughs> I've got lots of stuff. I mean, aside from Epicland, I've got a huge number of projects I'd love to work on. Um, and I just don't have time. And it's frustrating to know that there's these things I'd love to do. Mm. And I just can't because I don't have time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. Totally get that. Okay. So we, we, we've talked a little bit about the inspiration of Epic Land and its origin story. Um, we've also mentioned some of the compromises that, that uh, have, is needed. Is there any other sort of uh, compromises though? We've, we've, we've dealt with time, but in terms of like family or anything else, social events, I mean, you are essentially putting on a social event. Yeah. And um, I think we've mentioned time, but it does come back to time. So there'll be things like friends going, do you want to come out to a cinema this evening? Uh, do you want to go out for a meal? Yeah. That kind of thing. And you just have to go, no, I've mm. got to do this work. Um, we're running three main events a year, plus another four smaller events, plus any industry events we're doing. And that takes up all my annual leave from fast hosts. Mm. Um, so that puts a limit on holidays. Um yeah, it's it's sacrifices you make. For me, it's mainly time with these because time is the most precious thing I have, and it just takes away from that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. When is the when is the next Epic Land event? Yeah, so the next big main event we're doing for customers is tenth of October to thirteenth of October. Six hundred and fifty people. Wow. Um, yeah, it's going to be wow. amazing. Um, it's our second event using the arena at the conference center, and it just looks absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> can stand on the balcony and just look over and just see a sea of computers and then there's a stage and it just it's just breathtaking to see it there that must be Um, so rewarding yeah i was nearly in tears at the start of the last event when it hit four o'clock we opened the event and customers started coming in and that was just amazing to realize that we've made it we'd known for six years we wanted to use that arena at the venue um Mm. but yeah it is just something amazing wow yeah it must be so nice to go i did that 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And wow. on the software side of things, we've got all these systems that run the event, tournament system, an internet system, which is sort of central point of information during the event. Mm-hmm. And you wander into the area where everyone's playing tournaments and you look across the screens and you can just see this tournament interface that you've built. And it's up on half the computers as people are wow. logging their match results and seeing where their next match is and who they're playing and what yeah. the results were. Yeah. And it's just amazing to look across and just see this system that you've written in use. It's just yeah, yeah, I I uh, I can relate to that a lot. Uh, when I see clients using my apps or my websites, it's like you you kind of thinking in the back of your head all of the processes that they've now triggered because they've yeah. pressed that button. <laughs> it's like you've just clicked the button, you haven't realised that that's triggered off a task into a rabbit MQ queue, which yeah. is being picked up by a worker, which is then triggering four other APIs in different places to start a process on a server. Um, yeah, it's just absolutely crazy wow. to realise. And all they see is a button. And all they the see is the button. Yes, they all. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it's uh, it's it's that kind of industry, isn't it? Where it's <laughs> yes, it's uh, sometimes it can be a thankless task. Um, <laughs> so okay, okay. So in terms of um, how the future of Epiclan, right? Is there is there uh, anything that um, is on the agenda for goals for for the for the next I don't know year or so for uh, for Epiclan? So the main focus of Epic LAN is definitely es- establishing the events at this size with mm. the arena, making sure that they continue to grow and we increase capacity as much as we can. Um, on the professional side, picking up more and more professional events, I think, is a key area we're going to focus on. Um, we've got um, the tournament platform, which is amazing, and mm. you know that's in use now by schools and universities. But, you know, it's seeing how much further we can extend that mm. and how much extra business that can come from that, because we love doing the events. The events are sort of, for us, it's our passion is, is gaming event side of things. Mm. But what pays for bills will be the work for businesses and work for the industry. So growing that is sort of the main focus, I think. I would, I would imagine, and this is, I mean, I'm assuming here, but I would imagine that um, there, there was a, that there needed to be some sort of mind shift, right? Between this is something that I want to do. And now this is something that I need to, to, you know, keep plugging at because it's actually, people are relying on this, right? This is something that is, is something that, you know, it's like I said, a social yeah. social occasion. And also there's a business sense to that too. Yeah. And the main switch for sort of um, Epic Land going from being a hobby to being a sort mm. of business and something we definitely want to continue was about six years ago when we started doing more industry things and we started running some stages and stands at places like EGX Expo. Right. And we realized that, well, this is actually an industry thing. We're in the industry now. We're known. And then we started picking up more industry work, like the university work, at which point we realized we're kind of becoming an integral part to some aspects of this industry. We've got a responsibility now to this. Mm-hmm. And then John, who's managing director at Epic LAN, started the company with, um, he went full-time on this, let's say, about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, you know, we've had to think of it as a proper proper business in every way. We've just taken on our first full-time employee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's one of those moments where you suddenly realize um, when you've got actual offices with a warehouse and a full-time employee that, this is a business. This has gone from being a hobby that we did in our spare time to yeah. an actual business. Yeah. And I could imagine that being quite scary. Yeah. Um, I try to stay away from the business side of it as much as I can, because honestly, the business side of it is an area I don't want to get involved in. Mm-hmm. It 
Honestly, business frightens me. Um, I just want to write code and design things. Um, I, I don't want to have to get involved in business. Um, so John takes care of most of that. But yeah, it is kind of scary to think that, you know, we've got this. We're responsible for this. There's someone whose job is working for us. Mm. You know, we have to make sure this works because otherwise they'd be out of a job. John's right. put a year of his life into doing this full time. This has to work. Mm. That's a massive responsibility to get through your mind. It's like, whoa. <laughs> And, you know, I'm just there thinking I've stayed in my nice, safe, um, paid development salary job. Right. It pays me a nice wage. Yeah. 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 It's, um, yeah, that, 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 that whole hobby transition to business is, is quite an interesting, um, a hole that I wouldn't mind picking out a little bit because, um, you know, I've got a bunch of, a bunch of side projects, um, that are not related to how to code well or anything else. It's just stuff that I want to play with. Um, and they're all broken. They, they don't work or they work if, if you sort of like squint your eye a little bit and press finish, no admin interface. Exactly. Built. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You have to run a big script for half an hour before anything happens. Yeah. That, those kind of things. Um, how do you, you know, what, what's the, what's the, the key moment of going, okay, this is this, I could actually make a product out of this. I could sell this. Um, that's a really, really interesting point. Um, I think it's when you realize that there's a demand for this product, that people actually want it and that people then start to ask for it at which point you go okay this is more than me just mm. having this side project i'm working on that some people are maybe using or some people are taking advantage of to being something that suddenly people are demanding they're wanting um they're requesting and you suddenly go okay there's something here there's something here that need to start focusing on and mm. maybe we can make this work maybe we can make this something we can work on full time maybe it's something we should do more than just work on it in an evening, put it online, hope it mm. works. If it breaks, I'll maybe fix it. Yeah. It then goes into something where it's like, okay, it needs to be now running 24-7. I need to be monitoring it. We need to make sure the customers are happy. And I think it's when it when it reaches that point where you get the demand, I think that's, mm. yeah. that's where it changes. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, I agree, I think. I, it's like, in my head, it's like a, a seesaw, right? So you you're, th there's two levels that can go up and down. And one is the hobby and one is the business. So, you know, you do all the hobby stuff and the business isn't sort of there, but you change your mindset to the, to the business. And then that slowly brings it back into, yeah. into kilter. Yeah. And yeah, then, no, I think that's a really good analogy for it. I mean, that does reach that point where it just shifts. Mm, um, mm, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> well, I, I try and to use these analogies to sort my head out because I've got uh, all of these little side projects and things and, and, and then I've got yeah. all of the other projects for everybody else. And uh, you have to sort of compartmentalize these things, I feel. Um, okay, so what, um, what do you think um, is, the, is the biggest challenge for a, some, someone, especially a web developer who has a side project? What is and it could be any side project, what is the biggest challenge you think they face? So I think there's um, – the main challenge I think people would have is um, identifying where your skill set is and what to do with gaps in that skill set. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's I don't really do marketing. I'm not good at marketing. Um, that's not something I'm good at. I'm not good at actual straight-out web design and design work. Uh, 
you know, that's art. That is an absolute art. And the people who can do it are amazing people. And I can't do that. So I have had so many projects of my own that have just fallen by the wayside because the website doesn't look good or no one is building the HTML um, mm. because I hate doing that. I'm terrible at it and I don't want to do it. And I've had projects which have literally been finished, dev complete, working, payment systems written and working, and they've just not launched because I've not been able to get the user interface built to in a way that works. Mm-hmm. And so anyone doing a side project, I think it's identifying those gaps and then seeing what you can do to find someone who can help fill those gaps. So with EpicLan, um, John really is amazing at the business and the marketing side. So certainly in the early years, it's pretty much a split between John doing all the business and the marketing side and the event organization. And I was handling everything technical. So development, uh, sysadmin, network admin, um, building out all the technical solutions. And Mm -hmm. that split actually works really, really well Mm -hmm. because we knew where our limits were and, you know, we had each other to lean on for that. Um, So any side project, identify where your limits are and see if there's a friend or someone you can bring on to help with those sides that you're lacking. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. So it's sort of like be aware of your strengths and weaknesses and be aware of other people's strengths and weaknesses and see if you can get those to, to work with you. That's uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you're obviously extremely passionate about, about this. Um, you've been doing it for such a long time. Um, and, what what is the the cutoff between new features and and sort of like helping the current customer base is there like uh is there a list that you've got of all the features that you want to implement and then is there a list of all the i don't want to call them bugs but all of the things that you that need to be resolved yeah and that is very much it we've got a massive backlog of um just existing issues or things we want to improve, things about the user experience we want to improve and mm. new things we want to address and want to deal with. And yeah, it's just a constant battle because ultimately we improve the stuff we have to on the existing side of things um, where we have to, I think is the main thing because yeah. ultimately working on new things or improving some things gets us more work. It brings in more revenue. It helps. Whereas whilst we could do this stuff on the older systems, unless it's absolutely essential, mm-hmm. it's not going to bring in any extra revenue and there just isn't the time to work on it. Um, so ultimately for us, it comes down to what's going to be most important to us. Right. It's that priorities thing again. Yeah. It's back to yeah. priorities. Yeah. And yeah, you hate it sometimes because there's things you're working on. And it's like, I really don't want to work on this, but mm. you have to, because it needs doing. Mm. I think that also, um, plays well with persistence, right? So you, you have to be very persistent at this stuff. Even if you don't particularly like what you're doing at the moment, you have to, you have to keep focused on the end goal. Um, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's sometimes tough to drive yourself to do it, but you have to, you have to know that I don't like this work I'm doing now today, but um, this will be done by the end of the week. The project will be done mm. and I can move on to something I'd find much more interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. It's getting through that time when you're working on things you really don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that the end goal is it has to be done and yeah. you know, it'll be better for it. And I, I guess there, you know, you, you have to streamline your time management, right? So all of the, all of the things that are new features versus all the things that need to happen more in a more of a reactive sort of state. If you've got an, a full-time job, you've got to really streamline that um, 
otherwise you could be wasting because every every hour that you're not in your full-time job you'll be spending on your side project and that is like gold dust yeah no 100 you have to look at all your time and just use it wisely and yeah it's 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 all about time management i think and it's a constant struggle and um, one of the things I've realized certainly in the last year and a half is that I need to start taking time for myself. And that's advice I give to anyone. You asked for advice earlier on. Another one is take time for yourself. You can't work a full-time job and a full or part-time job in your spare time. You have to take time for yourself. And that's something that's been a massive challenge. And you feel selfish for doing it when you just turn around and you just go, actually, I'm having this evening off. I'm not going to do any work this evening. Yeah. And yeah. you start having to build that into estimates. And you make feel sure very know. guilty. You feel very guilty. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, I would imagine that you will would watch TV whilst having the laptop on your lap, right? And coding away sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I would just chuck Netflix on yeah. or TV show I want to watch on, on a second monitor just on my right here and then continue working whilst watching it. The, the, um, the pretend downtime where you're yeah. at. <laughs> and then there'd be times when you're not actively coding, but anyone who codes knows this. You don't stop thinking about problems. You know, you go for a cup of tea and you're thinking about things. You go sit down and watch a TV show for 20 minutes and you're still thinking about it. It allows your brain to think through things. Yes. yes. Yeah. You never stop thinking about it, even when you're not actively coding. Yeah. That, I mean, yes, you've touched on a really interesting point there. I, um, I, I was trying to explain this to, uh, to one of my relatives earlier. Um, and it was like, the other day I had a bug and I d just couldn't work out what on earth that was th the solution for it. Um, so I slept on it. Um, and then I had, you know, I got up, had a shower. And then as soon as I got into the office, boom, there was a solution in my head. I hadn't actively thought about it. There wasn't like this thing where I went, okay, I'm going into the shower now. I'm going to think about this thing. It was a subconscious sort of like, um, uh, idea that just sort of like came into my head. And I think you need to have that downtime from the keyboard, step away from the keyboard, go and do something completely different, mow the lawn, you know, whatever, yeah. go for a walk. Um, and then, but your mind is constantly trying to solve that issue, um, whether you know it or not. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was odd. My relative was like, ah, you, you really do need to holiday. <laughs> Yeah, so we've actually had a similar thing um, at Fastost. Um, it was actually before you joined. Um, an update was released to a bit of software, and it didn't mm -hmm. quite work properly. And we spent the afternoon troubleshooting, working out why, rolling it back, trying a fix, rolling it forward, rolling it back. It got to 6 p.m. We rolled it back and left overnight. No idea what the problem was. I came in in the morning, first thing. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's this thing. Mm -hmm. We fixed it, rolled it out the, you know, the same day, and mm -hmm. that was it. It was that. Just thinking about it whilst not in the office or not whilst you sat at the keyboard, your mind thinks things through. And, mm. you know, people don't understand that. Mm. Even when you're not coding and you're not at a keyboard, you are thinking things through. And switching off from that is a real struggle. Um, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I was up in um, Ben Nevis a few few weeks ago. I was actually on a sort of a, a mini holiday. Um, and yeah, the the amount of things I was thinking about that wasn't, I felt really guilty. I was with family and and I was just like this, I shouldn't be thinking like this. This is not right. I shouldn't be coming up with these solutions or coming up with these new um, entrepreneurial ideas. This is, I should be spending time with them. Um, yeah. but, but it happens, right? You, 
yeah 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 it's, it's just and and it's how do you get out of that mindset and if anyone knows i'm interested to find out <laughs> yeah me too me too yeah before we uh, before we wrap up though jess is there is there anything else that uh, you wish to add in terms of epic land or just side projects in general um, yeah, so side projects. Um, it's not always one side project. Um, <laughs> you can have multiple things you're working on. Um, I don't know why I do this to myself, but I've got one project in the gaming industry that I'm not allowed to talk about. Fine. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to be amazing. Um, another one is UK LAN parties. We formed a technical working group. Awesome. So the technical representatives from every UK gaming event, and we managed to actually get every UK gaming event and organization oh, into wonderful. this group. Wonderful. And we've started this. We had our second annual, our second year meetup um, mm-hmm. this year. And it's just amazing that we've got this amazing technical collaboration across everyone in different companies, different organizations, from small events with 20 people mm. to big events, bigger than ours with two and a half thousand people wow. or... Yeah. yeah, large organizations doing massive esports tournaments. And we've brought them all together for one organization for technical collaboration. So that's another side project. And <laughs> Just a small one, yeah. <laughs> finally, on the gaming side of things, there's another project that a few of us have worked on, which is called Landcash. And the idea is that when you're at a gaming event and a patch is released for a game, 200 people downloading the same patch for a game is just going to destroy your bandwidth. Sure. And we started working out that actually you could cache for content. Yeah. Some specialized Nginx um, Docker containers. We built some really nice, easy to maintain Docker containers, cool. um, some DNS interception and things. And it kind of, the ball got rolling on that one. And that's now had over 2 million pools on Docker Hub. Ooh. And game publishers like uh, EA, um, we did uh, Unreal, Steam. Um, we work now with them to make sure that games are updated. So that's another side project oh, that you wow. just put on there. Okay. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely crazy. It's just. Jeez, Louise. That's... I'm addicted to side projects. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, wow. Um, um, can I put links to all of these things in the yeah, show notes, please? Absolutely. I'll awesome. give you all the links and yeah. link them in the description below. Awesome. Yes, they'll all be down there and um, on the podcast for people listening, they'll be on the show notes there too. Awesome. Okay. Right. Uh, A question that I ask people on the show um, is, if you could talk to your former self, what advice would you give? It could be more than one and it doesn't have to be technical. It could also be non-technical. Yep. So advice I give to my former self is... Just do what you're thinking of doing. It will be worth it in the end. And to make more time for yourself, make a lot more time for yourself and do that a lot earlier than eight years into your side projects. I love that. That is amazing. Oh, that's brilliant. This is, yeah, go on. I've got one more bit of advice as well, which is something I picked up at a conference earlier on this year is if you get the opportunity for something, Mm -hmm. say yes. You never know where it might lead, what might come from this opportunity. You might end up doing something utterly crazy you'd never expected, but you really enjoy. So if you get the opportunity for something, consider it and say yes. Wonderful. That's a great advice. Some solid, great advice there. Thank you ever so much, Jess. How can people get hold of you? Um, the main way for anything industry professional related is Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Mintopia UK. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash Jessica Hannah Smith. Cool. Um, but Twitter's probably best. And finally, when it comes to Epic LAN, um, 
epicland.co.uk and epiclandservices.co.uk. Wonderful. These will all be on the show notes and some of them will be on the screen too. Thank you ever so much, Jess, for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with you. And you are super busy. So it's fine. It's fine. I've only got to do some client work this evening. It's it's all good. Uh, well, thank you ever so much for coming on. And thank, okay. thank you ever so much for those watching on the YouTubes and listening on the podcast. Thank you ever so much. Happy coding, everyone. I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye.